You're listening to the Grossed Out Podcast with Rob Gross. It's me. I'm Rob Gross. Welcome to another episode of the Grossed Out Podcast. I am your host, Rob Gross. This week, I am joined by Jonah Nimoy, uh, somebody who I'll tell you the story in a minute of how we met, which is like the most beautiful way that you could ever meet another human being. Uh, And we are, um, what a blessed day. We are here to talk about one of the all-time greats, one of the four, the four titans. Jonah, what band are we talking about, man? Motherfucking Megadeth. Motherfucking Megadeth. Um, <laughs> I can cuss, I, right? That's okay, yeah, right? Uh, I cuss, oh, yeah. yeah. I think I'd be banned oh. at this point. <laughs> okay. Shit that cool. I saw. Spoken. <laughs> great. Good to know. Yeah, good to great. know. We're, we're, we're good. And I didn't even get to do my Mustaine impression yet, so we'll just keep it that way for sure. Oh, I cannot um, wait. Yeah. Let me tell you a little bit about Jonah. He is an L.A. native, born and raised in Santa Monica, California. He's a multi-instrumentalist and has been playing and performing music for over 20 years. He's currently the touring guitarist, percussionist, keyboardist, and legendary punk rock family offspring and has also toured with the likes of stone sour fuel and other various acts in between jonah has also worked as a music as a music instructor for the last 10 years and works as an illustrator while he's on and off the on or off the road having designed album covers clothing tattoos and even contributed to a mural for j-rock and kendrick lamar's music video win that's sick dude he currently resides in northeast la where he lives with his cat and dog tux and dio and enjoys tequila same horror movies comics and more tequila which dude we should be best friends jonah welcome to the grossed out podcast all right thank you for having me hell yeah it's um it's awesome because when i asked you if i wanted you to be on and you're like yeah let's talk megadeth and i'm like yeah let's definitely talk megadeth that's sick because like oh, yeah. I, don't, I don't think enough people do talk about megadeth in the way that maybe people should speak about megadeth i'm not saying they speak ill of the band i just think that they you know look let's be real like dave mustaine's entire being as a professional has been i don't want to say being overshadowed but maybe putting that on himself so i feel like them getting this spotlight in any which way even on my little podcast is just it's like we're doing good in the world you know absolutely yes megadeth megadeth needs the love and support you know metallica of course you know that's that's where dave started out you know which a lot of people know and that's pretty much the reason Megadeth even formed was, you know, was a revenge band at that point, you know, but, Mm -hmm. but, but in my eyes, you know, they were so, they were, they were so important to the metal world, which I think metal fans know, as well as Metallica bringing it to the mainstream, but exactly as you said, they, they are right up there and deserve to be in this, in the conversation as often as possible, just down to the songwriting and the delivery that just the attack and the, just the, all of it, the stuff, man, it was, is Megadeth, you know, come on, you know, they're, totally. they're great. I love them. And the longevity and just like I, you calling it a revenge band. It's, it's, it's so true because like it, he, he would literally sit there and like compare, you know, sales, like he would, okay, cool. Like it made for some amazing music, but like, okay, cool. Metallica got more commercial with the black album. And he's like, nah, I got countdown to extinction. It's like, well, you're never going to be as popular as Metallica, but he always kind of chased that dragon. And very few times did it, I don't even want to say fail, because even when Metallica went and did the hard rock thing with Load and Reload to varying degrees of success, they he put out Risk. And Risk, while it is not a great record, there's like several bangers on there. So totally. Yeah. There's definitely not, there's some you know, questionable, <laughs> questionable. Um, yeah, for sure. But, uh, but yeah, so, so real quick, getting back to it, I love the story of how we met because 
it's like the purest shit ever. Like it's Thanksgiving weekend, like four or five years ago, maybe it sounds somewhere in there. And uh, a buddy of mine and I kind of like one of my show buddy and we were going to go, he was on the Guns N' Roses episode, Darius Sabbath, great dude, works for UTA, just a good fucking guy. Oh, nice. And we were supposed to go to the show together. And so I texted him like a week or so before the show was on Black Friday, underplay tour, turnstile opening. Every time I die at the Terragram, super under, like that is a small venue for this band. And, mm-hmm. and I was like, Hey, so, you know, did you get your tickets? And he's like, Oh, I'm, I'm out of town that weekend. And I'm like, Oh shit. So I went on like StubHub and went way above and beyond on the price and um, ended up going to Slipper Clutch, the place we were talking about earlier, a little, a little metal bar downtown. And we're there and I'm with a friend, Maddie, who's my business partner. She doesn't feel great. And I'm like, hmm. So we get to the show and during Turnstile, I see she's not doing well. And I'm like, okay, so we run into you. She's like, hey, this is Jonah. And she just vanishes at one point. And I'm like, all right, I guess I'm with Jonah now. She just literally, oh, right. she got sick and went home. Missed yeah. quite possibly a top five all-time, at least club show. That has got to be one of the best hardcore shows I've ever seen. And we got to yeah. enjoy that show together and became homies. It's like a beautiful thing. Truly. Oh, my God. I mean, that show, you know, I go to a lot of shows. I, I, I don't go to as many shows, especially in the recent year, of course. There weren't too many to go to. But, sure. but you know, I would go to these shows and I kind of hang in the back. I wouldn't, like, participate, you know, necessarily in the pit or whatever. But... Oh my God! When when where when Werewolf came on, mm-hmm. I ran into that pit like I was 13 years old and was just screaming my head off. I mean, the, the intensity like it was one of those things where like I was so nauseous, but in the best way possible when oh, the yeah. whole thing was over. It was like it was, it was a roller coaster, and and meeting you was so it was funny because like. I had, you know, I'd just known Maddie, you know, met Maddie kind of recently that year, mm-hmm. having, you know, briefly worked together through the drummer of my solo project, uh, Brandon and Furiosa. But uh, oh, my God, that show was just I still remember it so vividly to this day. You had much you had much shorter hair at the time. It was, um, well, and, and I'm going to make her listen to it, too. My barber, I finally found a great barber after like nine years of living in L.A. And I was like, amazing. And I was like overdue for a haircut. The pandemic hit. And then she moved to Colorado. And she's not coming back. I haven't gotten a haircut. Oh, oh, I don't trust any. But, but also, like, I think this is just how I'm supposed to be. It's, it's meant to be. There's a, there's a reason that, yeah. you know, and it, hey, it suits you, man. It looks Thank good. You. you know, See, you. I get, I get the Jew curls, you know, like it's, it's, you know, I got my mother's hair, so it's tough to, you know, manage sometimes. <laughs> oh, know? trust me. So. It's, I'm th- the only reason that it got this long is because of the pandemic and I wasn't seeing anybody. The beard was out of control. The hair had like, my hair doesn't throw out, but also Jewish. It definitely, I'm, I'm very blessed with thick hair and I have all of it and that's awesome but it definitely grows outward before it goes downward. Oh yeah. Oh yes. I get it. Hey, you know, we'll just, I, it, it comes with the territory, you know, the IBS and the brisket and yeah. the curly hair and you Wait, know, the IBS. Stuff, so. <laughs> oh, we, it's so real. We have so it's much so to real. discuss. <laughs> I know we really, really, this is, this is way long overdue. <laughs> so. This is how I literally bond with all my artists. And I was working with the struts, like Jed from the bass player. He's like, how's your, how's your tummy mate? And I'm like, how's your tummy mate? Like, it's just, whatever um, it's so real oh yeah is. no I, I i crack jokes about it all the time and <laughs> you know yet i continue to punish myself it's like oh my tummy but i still go out and you know it's brisket and latkes and you know oh you man. know fucking you know borscht and all the all the eastern european russian 
Ruski Ashkenazi Jewish foods that are just delectable, but, you know, lend to our inevitable heart problems that we give ourselves as Jews growing older. So, you know, it's a balance, you know, I try to be more careful, but yeah. you know, I got to indulge. It's, it's who we are, you know? So. I think what happens is that you have a good day and then you're like, I feel great. Hey, let's go get Crunchwrap Supremes. Dude. Every time. Every it's awful. time. Yeah. You get it's the gratification, you get the gratification of yeah. kind of, you know, you're like, yeah, Oh, I'm good. I'm good now forever. That's yeah. fine. I don't have to have to do this again. And it's like, Oh shit. You know, it's like an oil change. Like you're going to have to get an oil change again. It's not, it's maintenance, but I don't believe in that. It's like, no, I feel good now. It's okay. Crunch wrap supreme, deep fried, whatever, you know, let's do it. Great. Awesome. Okay. So, yeah. We are, we are, we are going to be a problem. We have to keep tabs on each other. I'm putting that out. I know right we're going to be way, get way off. Yeah. Oh man. Um, okay. So, so Megadeth, so explain how you got into the band, because this was a weird one for me where, not weird per se, but I found out about them because of Metallica. Like I knew them on the periphery, but I guess in like 1990, I was 10 and I already was a huge fan of Injustice. That was what the, the first metal record I ever like heard, fell in love with, and then came Rust in Peace. But and that era, I mean, to live through those, that whole Marty Friedman, Nick Menza era, amazing. But how did, how did it come about for you? So my, my entry to metal started, I would say probably like early high school, like ninth grade going to Santa Monica high school. And I had, um, you know, I, I was in a punk bands growing up. I listened to like the Misfits, the Descendants, TSOL kind of, you know, I was always, yeah always aggressive music I, I went I gravitated towards you know and then you know Metallica had kind of caught my attention but you know I I had seen so much of like the oh you know like they're so big they're bigger than life you know and and I just thought well there's got to be something else out there you know because I was just always on the hunt for new music new new older music stuff I hadn't yet found out about that had been around just doing my research if you will um, and so what happened was I played in a metal band in high school and, you know, these guys had Megadeth posters on their wall and they hated Metallica, oh, hated yeah. Metallica. You know, they're, they're, they're kind of, the, there's that crowd of metal, very mm -hmm. purist, you know, and, and so I, I kind of was fascinated by the, the illustrations, you know, like the general Vic stuff mm -hmm. was, he was so cool. I love that icon. It was so, it was so thrash, you know, like totally. it was just so, it was so cool. So, so the first record I listened to was peace cells and i mean i was like wow this is very interesting because the riffs were <clears throat> excuse me the riffs were just so specific so intricate and i mean it was the musicality the musicianship was just I, it blew my mind it really blew yeah. my mind because chris poland and gar samuelson the the first you know lineup mm -hmm. and um you know official lineup if you will uh, you know, they were like jazz muso dudes. And it just was, it brought such an interesting element to the music because, you know, well, Gar, you Gar, no, I was going to say Gar played with a traditional grip. He played did thrash. He really? with, oh I, I'm not sure if he did the I, whole time, but I remember seeing the video for like Black Friday or something, or maybe his peace cells where he's, and I've seen old live clips where the guy is just going fucking nuts, but he's like, you know, he's playing traditional grip. And for those of you that don't know, this is like basically a jazz drummer. You get taught this. And as somebody who likes punk, hardcore metal, it's like, you're like, fuck that. Yeah. That, no. <laughs> like, that is terrible. And, and, but in actuality, it's extremely hard to hit hard. Very, playing. very. It's basically yeah. like holding chopsticks in a way with, with your left it, stick. 
yeah it's like a weird you know it's like you think of like old school drummers like buddy rich you know mm-hmm. old big band jazz drummers you know traditional was the only way to do it where you know sure. and, but totally no and i i remember seeing some videos and and it, it cracked me up because he's got two bass drums and all these fucking toms and the crazy shit you know and he's doing the he's got very like loose kind of feeling oh my yeah. god it was just it was so evil and so weird and so different you know and, and of course i was listening to more modern bands at the time when i was in high school like you know lamb of god mastodon and you know devil driver and i mean there was there were i mean black dahlia murder these bands oh, yeah. were kind of just you know coming into their you know coming into the spotlight but but god megadeth i mean those riffs as a guitar player i was just mm-hmm. like i have no idea what's going on here and i want to know everything about this i was i was dying to know so peace cells i pretty much fell in love with immediately i listened to it driving a car with my parents you know i make them put it on and and surprisingly my dad who's not a metalhead loved megadeth loved it no shit. so so yeah so i got away with listening to it in the car more often than not because when you drive me to school you know i'd put on megadeth and he was actually and then you know i i kind of would put on some metallic and he's like no dave's a better songwriter actually i think dave's a better riffer and i'm like this guy knows what's up. He doesn't even know what he's talking about, but he actually knows he's right. You know, he's right. But, uh, that's, but that's no insane because it always felt like, at least like in my household where I had, my mom is on the younger spectrum. I'm 41. She's 60, she just turned 66, but she's, oh, wow. so she's, you know, youngish, but always been like young. And so growing up, she's in, you know younger than, than I am now, which is wild to think about that, that she had a, a, a child, two children. It's a whole other conversation. But, uh, but she, but I always felt like, you know, I exposed her to like Jane's Addiction and these other bands like White Snake, Def Leppard, my, you know, my favorite band, even Faith No More, I had always the stuff for the parents. Uh, yeah. And because, because, but when you, when it came down to it, Megadeth was just not for like, it felt like it was ours and Metallica felt like, especially after the Black Album, it could be shared. And Megadeth mm. still felt like, even when they went, you know, softer, like Foreclosure of a Dream or whatever, which is still fucking rich. I love that song. Yeah, I love that. Fuck. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, but I don't picture parents at that time being, oh, I fuck with this. Metallica yeah. had, the, had the ballads, and and Megadeth, their ballad literally to go into the songwriting was like a like a mellow chorus, a, a mellow verse, and then double bass chug, chugging riffing for the for the the poppy chorus. Oh yeah, you know that that yeah. chorus. Yeah, exactly. No, and. And, and yeah, and, and you know, in the song, that's funny you say that because, you know, of course, like I was getting into Megadeth when they were putting out, I think they had just put out The System Has Failed, which was sort of the mm. first album coming back because they put out The World Needs a Hero. Um, and then they kind of stopped because Dave, you know, had the nerve damage in his hand yeah, and that yeah. whole thing. Um, and then System Has Failed came out and he had Chris Poland actually back on guitar for that right. album. And I was like, whoa, this is sick. And so, you know, and Vinny Caliuda on drums, no less, which is insane. Another jazz, another jazz you know, guy, not not you know drummer, just crazy drummer. So yeah, so like you know the catalog was there. They'd been around already for twenty years by the mm-hmm. time I was even. I mean, at least you know much more than that. But you know, I, I was just listening to you know a few songs here, a few songs there. But the song that my dad utterly just he was like oh my god it's a great song was a tout le monde on euthanasia mm-hmm. and you know because that was a big one then they did a re a re-recording of it with right. uh christina with christina scabby i think i'm saying i hope i'm saying her name right um yeah. from lacuna coil, coil. Mm-hmm. um and 
it was great. I mean, I thought, I thought it was an awesome, you know, like, you know, they just want to do it again and modernize it a little, speed it up. And, and to be fair, I listened to that version more than I did even the euthanasia one. And I mean, everyone in my family was singing it, you know, cause That's I was so crazy. obsessed. I was so obsessed with Dame Mustaine. I mean, like I, so I have a funny story and I was, I, I was even trying to find the picture uh, before we started talking and I will, you know, at some point, but uh, you know, I waited in line at the NAMM show to meet Dave when I was 15 and, and uh, you know, my parents, everybody knew I was just obsessed with him. It was the, it was the, you know, the core of my, my writing at that time and mm -hmm. what I wanted to play. It was just so aggressive and so un, you could not ignore those riffs. You just couldn't, it, it was, there's nothing boring about it. Um, so I met, so I met Dave Mustaine when I was about 15 years old, I was waiting in line at the NAMM show and I, I was star stricken. I mean, I couldn't even keep my, I could not keep my shit together. So I have this like digital <laughs> camera, you know, and he's like, Hey man, what's up? He's wearing glasses, you know? And so I go to take a picture of my hands, like shaking and I take it and, and the security guard's like, all right, move along kid. And Dave goes, Whoa, wait, wait, hold on. Let me see that picture. Your hand was shaking. I think it came out blurry. And he takes my camera and looks at it and he goes, yeah, come here. Let me take this. And he puts his arm around me and holds the camera up. And I just, I, I died. I died. I mean, Dude. I, I cannot even, and he was so nice. He was so cool. You know, I know, I know he's pretty out there on a lot of things, but yeah, he was but... so, so, so appreciative and so, you know, so nice. And, you know, and I, I was just such a fan other than what the music had done for me as well, you know, just personally, but musically, it was like, you know, it brought me to a new level because kind of like what we were saying, you know, the musicianship is just, it's unmatched, you know, out of the big four, I really think they were the band that like really had the technicality down, which I think a lot of people would agree with me on. Um, 100%. Like it's not you even, know. yeah, I would say Anthrax probably in this in second place there, but my God, Megadeth was so far above and beyond. And I think in the same way, like a band like Helmet that I love so much where there's such beauty and technicality and simplicity. So you listen to, you know, the records I love, like Rust in Peace is a the masterpiece. But like when you get to Countdown, specifically when you get to Euthanasia and Cryptic Writings, mm -hmm. there are some really, so, like just at that point, they were a well-oiled machine. That's the longest lineup he's ever had of the same four guys. And yep. what a group of four guys. And he, on songs like, you know, like, um, like the riff for Train of Consequences, where it's, mm -hmm. it's so simple, but it's so tight that yeah. you have to be, and you know, he's probably like not easy to deal with in the studio or on stage or like definitely like it's his band and mm -hmm. the perfection on that record. Like, and then there's songs like Elysian Fields where it's like, this doesn't even make sense. This is such an epic tune, but it's three minutes long. And they were, yeah. the, they were the masters of that. Megadeth doesn't yeah. have a ton of long songs. They have like, you know, Holy Wars or like that song, When... Um, which mm -hmm. is fucking great, but I mean, there's not that many of them. They really worked in that three to five minute range, but got all this shit in, but didn't make it feel like, and again, all due respect, like a dream theater song. Like I love dream theater, but sometimes totally. it's like, you guys rule when you just like get like heavy and doomy and right. Cut right. It. And I'm on your prog band, go nuts, right? Those it's what seven, they do. Oh what yeah. You do. Yeah. And yeah, I they can't write do epics, that. You know, yeah, yeah, they, yeah. They write musical math. And it's like, mm -hmm. but with Megadeth, it's like, God damn it. You guys just know how to put a fucking song together that gets the metalheads being okay with it. But it's basically pop tune. 
Well, and that's the, and that's the funny thing, you know, cause I know Dave had said, you know, I watched all the behind the music stuff and he had said by the time they were kind of turning the corner of like countdown to extinction and euthanasia, it was sort of like, all right, you know, they're definitely not on like mainstream radio, but they're out there, you know, cause at that point in time, you could be a metal band like that and have a huge career and have nobody know who you are. I mean, Metallica was a great example because, you know, Injustice for All was their fourth album and MTV had just found out who they were and they were, you know, getting kicked off of tours with Ozzy because they were just stealing the show that, you know, it was their Master of Puppets tour. They were opening for Ozzy and Ozzy said, Mm -hmm. you're done because they would get off stage and Ozzy would come on. This was like during the ultimate sin era, I think. Yep. And like, they were like, fuck that. We want, we want master of puppets. And it's like, come on, you know, I mean, it was Cliff's last tour and, you know, totally. it was so, so no. And, and I totally agree. I think that's why Megadeth was so, so important because they could ride the line. You know, they had a little bit of the, you know, like you said, they were, they were being accepted on a mainstream level while also, still being accepted as one of the most aggressive metal bands like ever to do the thing and really be up there and up front and center where, you know, so like you've got like cryptic writings, you know, like trust was like the big hit on that one. And like, Oh my God, it's like, it's such a great song. And even that weird bridge and there's like a tempo change and it's just like, what the fuck dude like you you still wrote such a badass riff in such a badass metal song and it like it's catchy as fuck his melodies are great you know this on so friday so you know we're sitting at the end of august here i don't know when this will air and but soon (laughs) and um they released cleopatra got the rights to put out the live in boston unplugged record which was like it was a, I remember getting it when I was working college radio. It was a promo item that came out around the world needs a hero. So, cause I remember Moto Psycho was the single and whatever. And it's them playing at a radio. I think it's WRFF in Boston. If I remember my call, my radio guy friends uh, are going to kill me if I fuck that up. But they, you know, radio guys are always like, oh, you don't know WQR dick? Like, that's my station. How, how, how many were there? Yeah. This? Like, since, oh, you don't know, or you don't know, like, you know, uh, you know, Dildo Jones at in Boise, uh, you know, I cannot oh my god radio guys but um there's a guy lieutenant dan at lightning 100 in nashville like a fucking course and but spoiler alert he has his fucking legs like enough yeah (laughs) lieutenant dan you got legs oh Um, ridiculous yeah that's that's just absurd yeah you're early lieutenant dan nobody wants that shit they want legless yeah yeah Yeah, right 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 yeah (laughs) but i listened to it yesterday um and just it's fucking flawless like his voice the things that you don't think about when you think about a like no disrespect to them but you think about a band like the chili peppers and they get a lot of shit and you know whether you love them or you hate them anthony kiedis is just not a good vocalist but without them the band is not the band mm. megadeth dave gets a lot of that same flat like he's not a good vocalist listen to that unplugged record from 2001 he yeah. is really fucking on his game and there's no overdubs and they're doing they did a rendition of trust, like unplugged or acoustic or whatever you want. I mean, plugged in, but acoustic. And when, right, right, right. And when they hit that breakdown, it's like some Beethoven shit, but like through like a, I don't know, a, a, an Egyptian filter. Or I, it's just so, it never hit me as hard as it did when I heard it the other day. Totally. Yeah. So that riff actually, it came from a song called Absolution, which was, I think an unreleased track off of Euthanasia. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, you know, 
Um, and there's a whole song out of it. It's an instrumental actually. And they've, they've released it in the recent years and it's interesting. You should check it out. Um, oh, shit, I uh, that. that part. Yeah, it's cool. They, they, it's like a bonus track now. Um, but yeah, you know, the thing is, and, and that's always the thing too, especially like you've mentioned the vocal style, you know, like you, you know, the Anthony Kiedis and the Dave Mustaines and the Bob Dylan's of this world. It's like, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, good vocalist not good vocalist like it's a style that's required and and mm -hmm. if it, it, there there are those weird moments within the perfect storm when you're when you're making a band or or the styles coming together where you know there was there was so much of an identity to the band and that voice was needed for that identity because it was so squealy and so scratchy and weird and very unique i mean it's again that's why i mentioned bob dylan or even someone like Warren Zevon, I know I'm talking like folk artists now, but like these people had very unique voices, which yeah. really was necessary. Had they been really technically great singers, it may have not worked as sure. well. It could have been kind of too sterile or too boring. And, you know, and then you do like, you know, and then you've got like James Hetfield, who really is one of the best front men of all time. He's one of my heroes as far mm -hmm. as playing and singing. But but between him and Dave, I, I always admired them both because they did have such unique approaches. And James ultimately became a more trained vocalist. And, you know, like if you listen to the early Metallica stuff, I mean, the guy sounds like screechy, thrashy, you know, like the microphone's in a fucking another room and it doesn't matter. Totally. You know, it's, it was yeah. a totally different thing. But but with Dave's voice, it, like that's uh, I'm going to check that out. I'm stoked to hear that. I mean. You know, I saw I've seen them live quite a few times mm -hmm. and he was always on it when I heard it. And I've, I've, you know, seen some of the live footage, especially during the 90s era, like Countdown era when Nick, Nick Menza and Marty Freeman were in the band. And, you know, it's so unique. It's just unique. You know, it's like whether it's, it's good, it's good, it's bad. It's like, you know, technicality at that point means shit. You know, it's it's the wizard, totally. not the wand. Like you, yes. you're, it's your thing. You know, that, I always say that because everyone, you know, everyone's like, oh, man, if you, you know, if you do it this way or use this specific pedal with this and that, blah, blah, blah. Then it's like, you know, it's, it's also just like you, maybe like you gotta be the, the one delivering the, the sound, not the, the, the bits and bots, you yeah. know, and the toys and whatever. It, so it's like a good riffs, a good riff. And of course it's going to sound better the way you want it to sound with the right tone or I'm, I'm not, you know, I play a little guitar, but I don't know, like, you know, the effects and things like that, but like you write a riff, you write a good song, it's going to sound good no matter how you play it. It's just how good, I guess, like how, how you want to hear it. Well, and that's the thing. I think style is what is so important because I feel like people sometimes get a little sidetracked with, okay, like how many notes can we fit in? How, how we can we make, how can we make this like a fucking sport, like an athletic sport where like, you know, Megadeth did do that. It was mm -hmm. a fucking sport. I mean, it was, it was, you know oh my god it was straight athleticism those what those guys fucking did whether it was playing on stage or writing songs but but there was such a style to his playing that was so so necessary where had somebody else played those riffs it probably wouldn't have worked where dave's you know dave is such a weird guitar player like he's just the riff lord he's a riff lord in my opinion i mean like you know like songs like um specifically especially off rust and peace like five magics is one of my <laughs> one of my favorite weird kind of deep cut but not really mega like if you're a Megadeth fan you definitely know that song and like holy shit I, I mean just the beginning and the tempo changes and oh it's just I could go on and on and on all day about whether it's that Holy Wars or you know even stuff off Peace Cells are so far so good I mean it's just yeah. it's it's just so unique and so out out of the box you know so interesting
they were those songs. I mean, obviously that record, like songs like Lucretia, yeah, Five Magics for fucking sure. Mm. But there were there's a certain way that he plays a riff and he gets me. It's f- so funny that I haven't heard that B-side that they took that trust piece from you were mentioning because two of my favorite Megadeth songs are B-sides. Like I love uh, Angry Again, which was technically in the last Action Hero soundtrack, but that riff yeah, is just- The Hidden Treasures. Yeah, right, hidden treasures. yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. The, another song on that, I think it made Hidden Treasures, but it was the B-side to Symphony of Destruction, I think, New World Order. Oh has, my God, yes, great. Oh, that's a great cut. Yeah, I love I, that one. I think it only falls into the B-side category. I mean, again, we're not there. We didn't write it. We're not the band. We're not Dave. But in my mind, it's like, it just didn't fit. Like, it didn't mm. fit on any record. Like, it really is. Like, it stands on its own. But that song has the chorus. It has the riff. It has this verse. And then they had songs that were like, there's one song. It was on the first greatest hits. The one that has like the, the uh, uh, fuck, the uh, the bullseye. And it's called, um, uh, what, kill, what, kill the King? Oh, yeah. Kill the King. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Which is a ripoff of an Earth Crisis song from Destroy the Machines. And they don't play it live. It's buried. It didn't make it to like the next five greatest hits box set. Whatever. It, it's just, it's there. That's oh, the only place that it lives. But it wow. is a vicious fucking song. Great. Oh yeah, totally. And I mean, dude, and like you had mentioned, I mean, New World Order is so 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 cool. I think. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah. So what else was there? So that's hidden. Yeah, you because know, there was that little. You know, that little. You know, it's almost like an EP album kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Hidden treasures. They got the No More Mister Nice Guy cover. Uh, 99 Man, ways, ways to die, die. Yeah. point and all that stuff and and i love those songs because again like you said each one kind of stood on its own like which is why i think their their career is so interesting again because like you could have one song and it gave me the satisfaction of an album you know mm-hmm. weirdly like and i was like like you said new world order i remember that one hearing that one first for the first time so vividly and was just like where what album is this from where did this right. come from and it's like no it's on its own this is sort of a it's a floater kind of you know and, but that's oh, it it's so like good. when i was growing up it's like you bought the single or like the or you spent god forbid you spent the 11 12 99 on the on the import cd single and hoped that the one b-side or two b-sides that you got were worth the price of admission and megadeth <laughs> never failed i mean other bands oh. like Faith No More, shockingly, the Chili Peppers, always a really good B-sides. Faith No More, whenever they did, they hated them, but they were great. Pearl Jam, obviously, like Soundgarden. The, the, I've, I've gravitated towards bands that have good B-sides. Yeah. <laughs> Megadeth, yeah. Just, they just hit it at a different level where it's like, with, with some of those other bands, it's like, okay, well, that could have been on this record. Like, why didn't I, you know, and again, like, great. That, like with Pearl Jam, there were so many B-sides from the Riot Act sessions. It's like, well, that could have replaced this song. That that could have easily fit here. Why would you leave that off? But with Megadeth, like you said, there's they definitely stood on their own and there's no way they would have fit. But that doesn't make it a lesser song of anything. Like some of those B-sides were singles. 99 Ways to Die and Angry Again were, were singles with videos. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, they did have videos. Yeah, okay. Wow. God, that's, it's just crazy and it just goes to show even more like you know, it's almost like the Beatles approach, you know, because mm-hmm. it, it's the kind of thing, it's clear that he wasn't writing songs just to get hits. He was doing it right. because it literally was falling out of him. It was bleeding on the table, on the, on the paper, wherever, on the page, wherever he was writing, whatever, however he did it. And that was just so inspiring because like, you know, like I've had, I have a, a couple, you know, friends and relatives who work in the music business and most specifically like pop and, 
you know, it's pretty cutthroat, as you well know. And mm-hmm. with the pop world, it's it's very much a numbers game. And that's always oh, yeah. been kind of the funny. That's always been the funny thing, because I never I, I've always been the person who loves the B-sides. Like it's usually the single of like big, big bands. I'm kind of like, and eh, that's all right. I wouldn't have picked that one where I love the B's. I love the cut shit that, you know, it's just always the way I've been. And I, and I accepted it finally, eventually more in the recent years that I'm, I'm just, I'm not, that's not my, my shit, you know, it's not my MO, but, but with Megadeth again, it was just like, it was just so inspiring. And, and I remember all these kids in my guitar class, the, the one I took at Santa Monica high school, um, we actually had a Spanish guitarist teacher class, this guy, Luis Viegas, and he was formerly like a metal dude. And he actually has um, a metal, a metal uh, flamenco project called Heavy Mellow, where they cover metal songs, but in Spanish style guitar, nylon strings, awesome. you know, the, the whole thing is fucking great. Um, so he really was stoked when he heard that I became obsessed with Megadeth because half curriculum then shifted to, all right, I'm going to teach you how to cite some stuff today and yes. we're gonna play some riffs and do some trivia and this and it's because all my friends and this this you'll get a kick out of because all my friends and i we like love megadeth we went and saw them at the grove of anaheim we waited in line 12 hours so we could be front row and um i crowds i i actually uh jumped off the railing to crowd surf no one caught me i landed on my back and knocked oh, the wind out of myself it Jesus hurt Christ. yeah oh yeah it was it was so pathetic. Everyone picked me up. They're like, Jesus Christ, just get up, you little loser. But, uh, but, but, but the, but, but so that's a, that's a sub, sub, sub story right there, subplot. But what, what eventually happened was, you know, I loved Megadeth, but then I hadn't quite discovered Metallica yet. And I hadn't gotten into that yet and started to get more Metallica. And then my Megadeth friends were like, fuck you, dude. What the fuck? What's your problem? You know, like they were not happy. Oh. It, it was it, not it was crazy it was funny to see that you know kind of happen was, it was so divisive because i was so used to like okay cool you like punk and hardcore you don't like metal or like you guys like you know you're always fighting or whatever but like when it came to metallica versus megan you could like testament anthrax exodus slayer it did not matter but when it came to megadeth and metallica it was like all right you have to choose a side and i'm like i don't, I don't want to choose a side like and i'm not good i, I love them and i, I love still them both. they're like the I love them both. Yeah. And it's like, no, and it's funny. It's definitely, uh, it's always been kind of a thing, you know, for sure. It's sort of this, it's, it's not really secret, but it's this un, un, you know, sort of hidden thing of like, oh, Metallica or Megadeth, you know, pick one, you know, pick one or get out. But no, for me, ultimately at the end of the day, I really love Metallica. I do. And I just realized they're such different bands because Metallica was definitely more of like a band, you know, mm-hmm. where where obviously Dave is the brains behind Megadeth. You know, he wrote the riffs, he did it all. And having Marty Friedman and Nick Menza and all the great musicians they've had in the past and currently uh, absolutely help with the execution. But yeah. there was something there was something to say for like there is a band dynamic, like a tightness that that could not be unmatched with someone like Metallica. But then you had the the again, the musicianship and just the, the the technicality of the riffs with Dave and Megadeth, which, you know, I kind of saw, wow, I can kind of get two different things from, I can, you know, both of what I would want from yeah. each band. You know what I mean? So it's like, you know, come on, man, we could all, we could all exist. Come on. Why not? Right. You know? Metal is not just like the subgenre thing, which is now so out of control. <laughs> but, oh, but, but then yeah. it was like, no, these bands sound completely different. And Ultimately. Yeah. Yeah. 
I just, I never heard, I, I understood the connection, obviously, but I never, I never, it never bothered me. Like, of course I wanted variety. Like, am I not allowed to listen to like Living Color and the Chili Peppers? Like, of course, or like Living Color and Faith No More. Well, I love Living Color. I think we're putting that out there right now. Right. But, <laughs> but, but it just, it never made yeah. sense to me. So, um, so, t- so, okay. So favorite record, best record. So, so favorite record and best record, two different yeah. records, or, 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 okay, okay. It, it, it could be one, but. No, and that's actually great. I love that because what might be their best may not be my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I'm getting a little, yeah, so we got, I got a little heady there for a sec. No, um, <laughs> but, that, but that, that's just it. It's like, you know, who's to say what their best is, but this is, it's all opinion, but I mean. Yeah, you get it. No, no, and that's a great, it's a great point because it's so true. I mean. I would have to say, oh man, that's hard. God, it's like trying, it's like trying to pick out a favorite child. Like, I don't know. Um, you know, let me think about this one because again, they're all so unique and all did their own thing. I'm going to try, I'm going I'm to try and do my best. I mean, definitely because <laughs> see, it's like, I was about to say like, okay, rust in peace, best record mm-hmm. because I mean, I'm sorry. Ending with rust, you know, you've got rust in peace Polaris, mm-hmm. you know, which is just, a banger i mean what the fuck it is just an is just an onslaught of just masterful metal beauty i mean i can't even begin but then of course i would say my favorite record it probably would be countdown it could be countdown honestly you know and that's and it's a tough one because that's a tie it's between that and i would have to say peace sells because peace sells top to bottom i listen to all Mm -hmm. all through and through i love that record but they're 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 different animals you've got a seminal 80s thrash record in peace cells you know like you've got i think they kind of wrap it up with the song i think it's the uh, my last words and mm-hmm. you know they got black friday the um, conjuring Ugh. you know the conjuring oh god so it's like you've got these fucking thrash you know pieces of art but then you've got countdown to extinction which is like you can just tell the motherfucker had it down at that point with like ashes in your mouth was one of my favorite songs architecture of aggression that's my I favorite mean, favorite mega song evil i mean it is just it's so obliterating and it had definitely the the, the production was there at that point so that's, that's right. something to say for and so i know i'm giving you just the most long-winded answer no but like i said it's 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 hard to say because then you then you do have stuff like you know killing is my business which is like so raw and so fucking weird and interesting like looking down the cross might be one of my other favorite megadeth songs totally. um and so bizarre and so so weird i mean the production they they recently did do a remaster and remix which i thought was totally necessary because man that shit was rough you know it was, like, it was it all a, treble all treble oh yeah you can't there's no low end there's nothing but but like that's the thing it's like you know, I've I've loved looking at their career and seeing the evolution and just the risks they took. And I mean, risk literally. There's that one, literally, you know, literally quite quite literally. Um, but yeah, you know, I I mean, Rust in Peace was the record that 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 got the, the hooks were in. You know, I mean, Poison was the cure. Oh yeah, like, it's just there's just too many like moments within each song where it was just like, I mean, Tornado of Souls. Even Tornado of Souls came on the radio when my mom was in the car the other day, and she goes. God, this is an incredible song. And I'm just like, <laughs> really? Like, like I've tried to play some serious, like other shit that she would even like, you know, whether it is the ballads of Metallica or Megadeth or whoever. And she's like, no, 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 this is a great song. And it's, that's I just what I mean. It's that. like, uh, it's I mean, like, it, 
it's so that's yeah. so random. You know, it's for if we're gonna put our our thoughts together, I'm on the exact same page as you because like there there are definitely songs and there are bits and pieces of other records that I feel like I love Euthanasia and I think Euthanasia falls in. That's when I was like 14, so I was really coming into my own as like a music fan and starting to really get better at at, at playing, but. For me, it was Countdown that just did it for me. And then I went back. I went, and Rust in Peace was the best of what I went back. And then I realized, I'm like, oh, everyone else loves this record. I mean, when I was in a hardcore band, we used to come on stage to like a different song every night as we walked on. It used mm. to be the intro to uh, Girl, You Know It's True by Millie Vanilli, which, by the way, is a unbelievably dumb skit for 43 seconds before the music kicks in. Uh-huh. It, yes. But I don't think um, I know that one. I, I'll have to check it out. I never, you know, I never got super into Millie Vanilli. I didn't, you know, I of course know who they are, but yeah, <laughs> but that's great. I, I kind of love the irony of that. That's pretty, uh, that's pretty cool. I right, think and, then, yeah. and then we'd say in our voices as they were cracking, like we're backscatter from Coral Springs, Florida. Like after it's like, girl, you know, it's true. And then it was not great, but, but we did wow, come out the stage it. at least one time to Dawn Patrol. Cause like, oh, it's only yeah. like a minute and a half. So like it would play, the lights would go down the bass because it's just bass and guitar bass, drums and vocals. And it would, mm-hmm. it was just so at that time, it was just so haunting. And it was Dave with this like super fake, but not super bad British accent. And like, it just worked. <laughs> and um, yeah. yeah, it was a spooky. great, it's pretty, it's spooky. It, it's it was weird. spooky. It's yeah. kind of spooky. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, the whole the whole record it plays that theme of you know the the you know the nuclear winter and you know it's mm-hmm. you know a bombs and cold wars and everything you know the, it it was so it was so 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 weird and the vibe was just so there and and I think that record the reason I have to say you know that would be I can't even remember which one I said was the best or my favorite I, I I'm gonna say that might have been the best or my favorite I, that was I can't the remember best <laughs> that was the best okay yeah. thank you sorry that, that's what I mean I just it's really I can't you know I, I get it pick one but but that you know for what was to happen to thrash beyond that point you know whether it was bands like there was like sacred reich or toxic holocaust or um you know i mean there there are all all these bands were like you know atomic warfare was the theme and just you know the white nikes with the tight jeans and i mean these motherfuckers did it i mean i know exodus played a big part in that too but like megadeth again like they brought that to the forefront so that's where rust in peace was so again just so seminal and and you know i identifying to what thrash was was going to be mm-hmm. and what it had been i mean like dude when i would play in you know i had a, another thrash band i played in after high school and uh you know it, it was just it set the standard i mean we were wearing tight jeans and big white reeboks with ripped up shirts and the bullet you know belts and shit it was like Hell okay yeah. megadeth yeah megadeth we got it from megadeth you know completely and and you know, it's, yeah, it's just, it, I, I cannot get enough of it, obviously. No, it's <laughs> so just, it's, it's, it's hard because you look at, you look at the, the trajectory of these bands and you look at a band like Pantera and, and we're not talking about their first four records. We're talking about like Cowboys to reinventing like that decade. That was only a decade, those five records, which is insanity. But you look Crazy. at that and like, they were going to get literally going against the grain going through the nineties. They went through, you know, the, the, the early stages and big year, big two years of three years jesus of new metal and metallica getting softer and megadeth getting softer and it took i mean obviously pantera cut short and exodus went through a lot many lineup changes same thing with testament same thing with anthrax who had their own struggles and but you look at megadeth and metallica specifically 
Megadeth got the memo like immediately. They're like, oh, and literally went from risk, which like I said, doctor is calling. I mean, questionable, like crush them, but there are some bangers on that song. On that, record. I'll be there for you is a great song. I'll be there for you is a great song. song. I love it. I love that song. No, it's a great, it, yeah. No, there's, they're good songs. It's, you know, it's like, like you said, sorry, no, I don't mean. No, 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 but you, yeah, no, but you're, yeah. you're right. Production is very thin, but I think that's what they were going for. But my, my whole point is that they recognized almost immediately, like, oh, we made a mistake. We took the risk pun intended, and then went right back to The World Needs a Hero, which is a great fucking record. Jimmy DeGrasso's on that record. Like, it's got, like, pennies, uh, what, a thousand times goodbye. There are some fucking mm-hmm. great songs on that record. And then it just took Metallica, like, over a decade plus to get the memo. And mm. Megadeth went right back to it, and they just kept getting heavier. And now I'm yeah. hearing that whatever this next record becomes – Something tells me it might be their last, but I mean, I'm hearing that about Maiden too, and it's like Metallica. And if it is, so be it. But yeah, there's no way this band doesn't go out with a fucking opus. There's no way. There's no way they go out with a fart. Like they're literally going to go out with a thrash record. And yeah. Oh, and I, I'll be there amazing. to listen. Fuck yeah, I'll be there to listen. Yeah, and dude, I mean, you know, that's why it's like you're so right because this. I mean, really, the system has failed. God, there are some yeah ass songs on there like kick the chair is one of my favorites or right. um blackmail the universe is a great song and um oh my god there's 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 some uh back in the day is really cool i mean they're that's a cool tune I mean, yeah no they're back and then and then after that you know they put out this album united abominations which really was a great record mm-hmm. again very modern i think um andy sneep i i hope i don't mess up his name he kind of was a big modern metal producer took sure. on that record and he did United Abominations. And then I think they put out Endgame after. And that was like really the last record I listened to. A lot of great songs on that too. They had the song Head Crusher. That was like a single mm-hmm. and um, another song 1320. And I mean, like it was, it, you know, it was so interesting because it's like you said, he kind of went back to the root of like, all right, this is, this is what we do. I, I, you've got your, you've got your algorithm, man. You've got your, you've got your uh, way of going about this. In a, on a songwriting sense, Dave, you are the brains. You're the mind man. Like mm-hmm. you, you do you. And of course, at that rate, you know, I follow him in the pits of hell, listening to whatever they threw out. Because again, I just love the band so much and was so moved by all of the great music they had put out. Where it's like at this rate, like he can write whatever the fuck he wants. You know, he's Seriously. he's earned it. You know, <laughs> the man, the man's been around the block quite a few times, and you know, so I. uh no, and I'd be, I'm eager to hear the new stuff, especially with Dirk from Soil Work on drums now. I mean, mm-hmm. he's a, a fucking animal. So that that was pretty cool, you know, having and, him join the band. And I don't know if it's going to be um, on, the, on the album, but at least they played a show last night, two nights ago. Um, James Lorenzo is back on bass. So I heard, yes. Yes, not, I heard about that. Don't really need to talk about David Ellison. Not really going there, but... Um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy right, they brought right. somebody. Uh, I'm happy they brought yeah. somebody else back into the fold, and you know, somebody that's been in the band for he was in the band for like 12 years, I think. So, oh yeah, no, I he's mean, he's awesome. Yeah, he's he's, he's a great. Yeah, he was a he was a when he was in the band for the United Abomination stuff and all that. I was like, oh yeah, fuck yeah, he's cool. You know, we all were like, oh Ellipson, come back, and then he turned he out, you know, to be a fucking perv, and that sucks, and you know. Yeah, just sucks, man. You know, it's 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 a bummer, and the you know, way, it's, I mean, you know, we're, we're talking about it. Fuck it, I don't want to badmouth the guy, but like, you know, like it's just it's so it's so interesting because it's 
the man's 57 years old. So even if the girl was 19, like he was saying, dude, that's disgusting. It's just, it's so wrong on so many levels, regardless of the legality of it, which is just not. And it's just, oh yeah, it's just, you know, it, and it's a crazy time because, you know, the, I think the world's changing in so many ways, though the problems had never, were never not there, you know? And that's totally. a big issue, obviously, that we've witnessed in this era not to get too political, but it is a thing where people are kind of like, oh, people are more offended now. People are complaining more. And it's like, no, 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 no. Everyone was always offended. They were always pissed off. They just didn't speak out on it. And we also had less camera phones 20 years ago. So we're we're, we're just seeing it more because there's more, you know, a bigger platform for the exposure. So it's like, you know, I, I, there are so many mediocre shitheads out there who are like, this is bullshit to cancel culture, this and that. And I know it can be totally harmful and in very bad ways but at the same time it's like you know i think it's a a new standard that uh, not really a standard it's just we we can just do we can do better we really can and we should and uh you know and i think it's time that people take some fucking responsibility because it was just the it was just it was just lawless it was lawless forever especially in entertainment i think it's yeah. insane how how out of control it became and it still is but you know it's it's changing and I hope people are going to, you know, be more accountable and, you know, more yeah. responsible. I hope, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I, ho- I hope so. But I mean, it's like, you know, the, yeah, it's just good on Megadeth and good on Dave Mustaine for being like, nah, we've cut your bass parts from the record. And we are, you are like immediately like, I know, that, it was quick. you were yeah. out of the band and it was like, good like for a second time the first time and the, you know it's like i don't want to get all like you don't want to get all political i don't want to get all religious or anti-religious about it but it's like of course you're born again and of course you know it's like you, you this is whatever it's just a good on you dave mustaine you did the right thing and and, and that's yeah no and i i agree completely and it's just it's one of those things especially with music it gets complicated it really gets complicated because sure. you know no nobody wants to sit back and watch people get hurt you know nobody nobody wants that i i would hope not at least but but at the same time when it comes to music at the end of the day like it, it is it is you know here to be a shared experience you know that is kind of the beautiful thing of music where you know, man, it, is it unifying when people just put all yeah. the bullshit aside and they're just enjoying music, whether whether it's the same music together at a concert or on a record or, you know, a song in the car. I mean, it's just like that's just what's so beautiful about music as a whole is that it is truly unifying, you know, and it's, you know, concerts. It's Yeah, it's a fucking business all, as well. But there is a, a reason millions and millions of people flock to these events, to these concerts, to the songs that resonate with them. And that to me is you know says says it all you know and gives me gives me hope in the end you know no you're right it's like you know if you you see these shows megadeth's been part of it maiden bands like this play play a show in south america let's say where the fans are fucking bonkers and it's so great and and you see them nobody speak i mean i'm sure there's a, a contingent of people that do speak english but a lot of the people out there they don't speak english they know every word to every English speaking song. It's the great unifier. Like I know, I know words to Rammstein songs. I don't speak German, (laughs) but I'm not even a big Rammstein fan, but it's like, yeah, I've heard do Haast in English and it sucks. I'm going to learn what it means in German. And just, it really, it's like bad. Like, no, I have, I didn't even know they had an English version. That's I I don't even think I'm going to listen to it. I'll I'll never (laughs) listen to it. I I want, I want, you know, the OG, you know, the true, the true version, no, you know, the way it was be, meant to be. 
scared shitless, not because the lyrics are not, they're not great. So it's like mm-hmm. when you hear it in English, it's like, oh, no, 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 no. You yeah, just, yeah just, it doesn't translate as well. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. No. So uh, on that, actually completely not on that. Oh, this is such a horrible segue. Uh, the way that I usually end this is, <laughs> God damn it. Like, <laughs> no, we're doing we're doing no, great. No, oh, awesome. oh, we're doing it, but I, I like the juxtaposition of this where what is that sexy Megadeth song? And then what is your funeral song? Oh my God. Wow, that is a great, great question. See, I wanna I wanna just think of the worst answer possible for a sexy Megadeth song and pick something <laughs> like, um, I don't know, like <laughs> I'm like, there's so many songs that are coming to mind. Like it might you know, be the I don't worst know. band ever. I, I did another for one. Away. Sexy. For sexy. I, I think until I get to the episode with like King Crimson or something like mm-hmm. that, I think a pretty much Megadeth will pretty much take the cake as as the winner. Yeah. Wow. Oh, I, all right. So let, let me think about this, really. Because they're, I mean, you know, I, I don't know if it's a sexy song, but like, I don't know, In My Darkest Hour. Well, no, 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 no. In My Darkest Hour is 1000% my funeral song. Mm-hmm. That would have to be, I mean, come on. It's like, totally. the, the theme is right there. It was written mm-hmm. about Cliff Burton. So so like, that would definitely be one. I mean, but as far as my funeral, I definitely want my funeral to be more of like an upbeat party kind of things. Sure. So like, I would probably pick something like Holy Wars because I would love it if people just lost their shit and started a pit at, <clears throat> at my funeral. Um. <laughs> So, that, you know, I again, I'm, I'm having I'm having an awful time answering this again. Uh, but, you know, I don't you know what? Actually, um, angry again is kind of a sexy tune for some reason. It's got a, swagger that chorus. It. Yep. It's got a little bit of a swagger. Yeah, I would mm-hmm. I would say that might be one of the sexier Megadeth songs, you know, because then I was thinking of like the song Euthanasia, which is kind of a slow, you know, one. But no, no, I'm going to stick with that one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, angry again yeah that's the that's the sexy one yeah i'm going it's, with that <laughs> it's terrible it's terrible i, I love it but. i'm so looking forward to the day that i do like a band like that just does like a band like blood has been shed or something where things are strictly in polyrhythms and it's mm-hmm. like now we're just fucking with you like now it's totally. just like <laughs> yeah like, you're like wait what no i can't no okay um no I but i it. mean it's just i think the thing with megadeth is that they're that band that you, they've just been there. It's almost 40 years of them just always being there. And <clears throat> they might not make at times, especially in the, the later era, there's some forgettable stuff in there. I don't mean that as an insult. It's just not as memorable as like, um, you know, something off of Countdown or Rust in Peace or, or, or Killing. But they've stayed, they've stayed true. And, and the quick detours they've taken have been just that. They've been quick. And, right, right. And that's not to say that there is an artistic freedom in Megadeth. There is so much artistic oh my freedom God. in Megadeth. But Completely. they've found a way to do this perfect little package every time they put out a record where it's like, you know what you're going to get and you're going to get surprised, but you also know that like it's that level of quality. And that's just mm-hmm. something that a lot of their peers, some bands that I actually at times like more than Megadeth, have never quite figured out ever mm-hmm. slayer mm-hmm. went to new metal you know uh metallica definitely everyone knows what they went through and Ant- mm-hmm. anthrax went through you know i think quietly as they kind of fell off the radar for a while made some great records with john bush my favorite era of anthrax but they were not they were not successful and i think they, they're them crawling back was just 
no, now now we have the old guys back in the band. We're a thrash band again. Megadeth is like right. they just went right back up, like gradually in a way that is very commendable. I think total, totally no, and I I so agree. I mean, that's kind of why like they they were. That's why they kind of were my favorite band at that point. The most kind of versatile thrash band to really deliver the goods as far as a metal band goes. But then, like you said, it's like because especially on an artistic level that's what's so great about them is like they had the talent to explore, which was so cool, you know, where again, some of these bands kind of go, well, what do we do now? You know, like we kind of only know how to do this thing. We have our thing and we just kind of do it over and over where Dave's style transcends metal. It goes to, you know, just rock, you know, I mean, it goes to just, just, I, I mean, it, it's, if the baseline of it is hard rock, heavy metal, you know, kind of, but that, but, but, but they sort of, expanded the room in the spectrum yes. of heavy metal and rock because of how versatile it got where it wasn't like oh they just became a rock band it's like no they just wrote a kick-ass rock song that's while it. still being a metal band you know right. so that's why i was like god that's it's so it's just fucking great and, and again like she wolf is a good example oh, too uh, on cryptic writings like you know fucking like dude the guy's playing one note for listen the verse, listen to the acoustic record it's on there and he's doing it on an acoustic Oh, sick. Oh, okay. Clean yeah, I'd love to hear as, that one. Dude, he's clean as fuck. I was like doing yoga or something and I'm like, looked up Whoa. like, damn. Um, the one thing before we go that I cannot believe we didn't touch on is sweating bullets. Just in oh general. My God. Because yes. I, I had my buddy Nick who was on for the Pantera podcast last season and we did a couple of our black tooths over that and i oh. can't and it's on me that i didn't prep us in honor of dave even though he probably fucking hate it to do a few black tooths while we were on this but why don't you know what we'll get we'll get one tomorrow night we'll go to a metal okay. bar and we'll get a black tooth in i've got the seagrams i've got the crown royal <laughs> i know i i i've actually shown my roommates black tooth grins and you know my roommates are not metalheads at all so like you know and and they were shocked at how easy they go down i mean oh, yeah. you can throw eight like eight back and you're 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 toasted completely so yes no black tooth please tomorrow absolutely i'm gonna try and not drink more any more tequila tonight so i will yeah. be and you know i'm gonna cut off now for our for the sake of our black tooth you know yes, tomorrow yeah that's right absolutely right. but um and also man video song great that's like that's the one that i think even my wife is like that's hilarious but also like a banger <laughs> it totally it is yeah it's like it's so it's kind of like yeah like you know the hello me, me the real me i mean it's like how many times would you hear people kind of like make fun of it but then at the same time the chorus is fucking catchy and you the know breakdown. the bridge is the, oh the breakdown God. is fucking ripping you know and the I video mean, in the breakdown where it's like obviously 1992 or three at the time but going through the rooms of the cells the walls and it's like mm. all right this is definitely like at the time though i remember being up at like one in the morning watching a headbangers ball and being like having my mind blown because like that was good quality for a metal video very like, yeah and then oh like yeah all, all the multiple daves and i'm like this is so good like this is like yeah I love being a metal kid. That was like the, that was like that song made me happy. It's like, see, we can have fun. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, it is. you know, and, and especially for that era, what I would give to have been a teenager, because you know, I, so I'm 29 years old. I was born in '92, and I pretty much was incoherent for you know the the yeah. pivotal prime years of metal. Like you know, like I mean, I was like 
you know, I think I, I think when I was born, it was uh, far beyond driven had just come out or maybe it was wow. like a year after or something. And, you know, like, you know, and then the great Southern trend kill and all these mm-hmm. albums I'm listening to now, I'm like, this shit came out when I was born. Like, Oh my God, like what mm-hmm. I would do to spend a week in that, in that, you know, frame between 92 and 94 or five to yeah. like see Pantera, to see Megadeth, to see, you know, I mean, Oh God, I, I'd give anything, you know, I got to tell you, it was awesome. It was great. And I was a little young. For I've heard. Too, but I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I was definitely on the younger spectrum of it, but it was awesome. But um, yeah, man, it, it was a, it, it was a cool time to be alive and to be part of it. But it, it, there's also that I talk about this a lot on the podcast, especially when I have a younger guest is younger than me, is that you get to do something that I never got to do, which is that you get to digest this shit all at once and have your own experience. No prejudices towards like when a record came out, why it sounds this way. Like it wasn't like, it's almost like binging a season on like a show on Netflix where it's like, you don't get to wait between weeks to be like, to judge it, to think about it, to grade it. You literally just go. And now with streaming, it's like, you could just in chronological order, just fucking go. That's awesome. Totally. Totally. And it is. And, you know, I, I'll say there's there's two sides to it, because sometimes I do feel like you almost miss out of the experience. Like I am an, a record guy. I mean, I have a whole I have a vinyl collection behind me, as you can kind of see. And I love I records like I love yeah, the same. I love the, the the the, you know, just the delivery and the the concept. And, you know, it's a, it's a piece of art, ultimately, from top to bottom. And I love that where sometimes with streaming, I, I do get overwhelmed by it where it's yeah. like, okay, like shit, what album am I even fucking listening to now? But with, <laughs> yeah. but, but I will say with Megadeth never had that problem because it, I was a streamer, you know, at that point in time, I was, you know, a high schooler, millennial high schooler, and we had Spotify and all that bullshit. And I, I listened and with Megadeth though, that is a good example because each album was so definitive still, even streaming it, I knew where I was going to next. Like if I felt it. like I had just, I had just finished a new hope and it was like, all right, we're on to empire now. Mm-hmm. And it was like very definitive, like, Oh no, this is a new deal. And it is going to blow your fucking mind. And oh, sure yeah. enough, it did one, you know, one album after another. And, and here I am still with all of this Megadeth knowledge I'm carrying <laughs> into my thirties eventually. So yeah, no, it's, it's, I, you're right though. Ultimately you're right. I love the act, the accessibility I've gotten to have with listening to it it's just a different experience but jonah i cannot thank you enough for this This has been a great fucking conversation this will be continued tomorrow at the bar um oh yeah but uh i I will tag um your your boredom sketches jonah's an incredible artist on top of being a musician i'll tag all your socials when we post this and uh thank you and obviously go see the offspring wherever they play I, I can't wait. I want to see you play drums. That that's that's what's gonna happen. We're gonna see this. Um, yeah, thank you. Please uh, follow, listen, subscribe, share, talk about it. Uh, oh yeah, my show, the Gross Out Podcast. I should say the name probably. Jonah, that one. Yeah, that one. That <laughs> one. That one. Yeah, I got it right. Yeah. Now you, you got man. it. You got it. You know, yeah. you know, it. No, Hey, thank you so much. No, I love, I love talking Megadeth and yes, to be continued over black tooth grins in yes, about sir. 24 hours. I will you see you there. It. All right, brother. Thank you so much, man.